chapter 14. That's where I want to go. The Lord impressed upon me that I should share some of this tonight. And I want to be obedient to him. Joshua chapter 14. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would guide and lead us tonight during this Bible study. Begin to give us spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear. Ask for your ministry, Holy Spirit. Begin to do what only you can do. Go where only you can go, and we will follow. We'll give you all the praise, Father, all the glory, and all of the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. This is uh, Caleb. He's talking. And I want to remind us, any time that we are in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, that these were Old Covenant people. They were living under the Old Covenant, established on the blood of bulls and goats. And uh, it is an inferior covenant than the one that we have. We always want to understand that these are types and shadows of what we have experienced now in the spiritual. So when you read these things, Always remember, these were ordinary people, just like you and I. But they were serving an awesome God, just like you and I. Caleb says, Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Caleb was a man of faith. He believed in the promise. Him and Joshua, they they went over there. The the other spies, they came back with an evil report. Y'all know the story. He says many years later, he's no longer 40. He's now in his 80s. He says, nevertheless, my brethren went up with me and made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. May that be our testimony. May that be our testimony in our generation. That we wholly follow our God and his direction for our lives. And Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses got into agreement with him at that time. How many of y'all know it's good to get somebody in agreement with you over the promises of God? Two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, the Bible says. Then he goes on to say here in verse 10, And now behold, the Lord had kept me alive, as he had said, these forty and five years, 
even since the Lord spake the word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Now he's 85. Then he says something very remarkable here. This is covenant talk. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, glory to God, even so is my strength now for war. Both to go out, I love it, and to come in. He was a man bent on possessing what God had for him in his generation. God is speaking to us tonight. He wants us to have that stirred up mentality also. That we're going to possess that which God has called us to possess in our generation. And have a mentality Listen to me now, that we will not be denied. No matter what stands in our way, we will overcome. Because we are who God says we are. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are overcomers. And we overcome, the Bible says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith in the word of God. Amen. Then he says here in verse 12, Now therefore, give me this mountain, (laughs) whereof the Lord spake that day. So this man is a man who has made up his mind that he's going to experience what God intended for him to experience when God created him. And that's what we need to come tonight with that mentality. Whatever the word says we can do, whatever the word says we can possess, we ought to have a determination to, in our generation, possess it. Amen. Tonight I want to talk about, and Teresa said my title was kind of squirrely. (laughs) Let them have dominion. Set under Christ's authority. It'll make sense as we go through this lesson. Uh, I want to begin in Genesis chapter 1. We talked about this some last week during our other lesson. Talking about the finished work of the cross. And this is, I guess, um, a continuation of that series just coming from it, uh, maybe from a little different angle. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him male and female created he them. 
And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So first God said in verse 26, Let them man... Have dominion. Then he said in verses 27 and 28, he said that he wanted them to be fruitful and to multiply. How many of y'all know God never changes his mind? He hadn't changed his mind. God wants his God given God wants his God given dominion to be passed to every generation. A perpetual, unending authority over God's creation. He still wants that today. He hadn't changed. He still has given us that assignment. Now, whether or not we accept that assignment is another thing. Whether or not we believe what God says we can do through him is another thing. Whether we still believe in our carnal thinking that we are still ordinary is another thing. God has told us through his word that we are not ordinary anymore. That we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, or look, pay attention, all things have been made new unto you because of the new birth. Because you are no longer subject to the authorities of the principalities and powers. He has freed us up so that we can experience him and the power of his resurrection. But we have to allow our minds not to hinder us in our pursuit of our destiny. But this is our destiny. This is our call to operate in our life, even in this, these mortal bodies, in divine authority in the earth because of the power and might of the Holy Spirit. Psalms 115, let's go there. We went over this last week, but I feel the need to go over it again. Fruitful and multiply is what he said. Verse 14, but I want to go to verse 13. No, verse 14 is fine. <laughs> I heard Teresa back there. The Lord shall increase you more and more. Talking about fruitful and multiplying. Hadn't changed his mind. He still is speaking to Israel concerning that. He wants them to focus on that. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you 
and your children. Again, he speaks that way because he wants them to understand that this empowerment is perpetual. It is to go from generation to generation in his mind unhindered. That's his will. Somebody's trying to find out what the will of God is. That's the will of God. That the blessing be perpetual from generation to generation, not watered down, but even grow stronger in manifestation from with each generation. Amen. Verse 15. You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. So we found that out last week that there's no doubt about it. God intends for and wants his man to experience operational dominion in this earth. When confronted with anything that's contrary to that dominion, God has given us the assignment to subdue it or to overcome it or put it back in its original place. And when anything is out of order in the earth, God expects mankind, those who are anointed by him, those who are set under his authority to put that thing back in order. Ordinary people will think that that's impossible, but we are, again, we are not ordinary. We are most powerful in Christ. I said we are most powerful in Christ Jesus. What has to happen is we have to begin to see ourselves as God does. Again, that requires a renewal of the mind, a a meditation on the scriptures. The Pauline revelation was that uh, what mankind could be and experience through Jesus Christ, through a spiritual connection with God, through faith in God, through faith in the written word of God. And we went into the book of Ephesians, and I want to visit there for for a period right now, Ephesians chapter 1. We, ta- we, we taught on this last week, but I do want to revisit it because it is powerful. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul prays, this is a prayer that Paul prayed For the church at Ephesus. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling? We found out last week that the hope of his calling for you and I as new creatures in Christ Jesus is Genesis 1 and 26. That's the hope of God's calling. That's what he wanted mankind to experience in the beginning. And again, God hadn't changed his mind. What is the hope of his calling? 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness, my God, of his power? Again, I think what throws people off when we begin to read along these lines, and I think what kind of threw Peter off because Peter said he had a problem understanding some of these things, is that we, in our natural carnal thinking, think, think that the power has to come from us. We are not the source of the power. God is the source of the power. It's his power. We simply plug into him and he uses us for his kingdom glory. When we have that understanding, then God can release through us the anointing the way he wants to. So he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Let that play on in your mind. It exceeds greatness. It's far beyond anything that our natural minds have ever comprehended. This is what God wants to do through us. This is what God wants to do through the Weakest one in the church. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who what? Believe. That's the problem. Do we actually, or have we really gotten a revelation of this awesome divine responsibility And the power that God has given to us through Jesus to execute all of these things. Have we, have we really understood that these things are relative to us in our generation? Not just in the worlds to come, but in this world. What is the exceeding greatness of his his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So again, that takes the pressure off of me. It's his mighty power flowing through me as I yield to him in all divine humility. In all of a knowing that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the mystery, you see. Christ in us. The expectation of the glory of God made manifest in our generation through his man, through his church. Whew, I tell you, it's awesome. Verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ, God worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead. That power that God used To raise Jesus from the dead is the power that I'm talking about tonight. The power that God used in that borrowed tomb to raise his son from the dead has now been made available to every born again believer in the form of the mighty Holy Spirit and the resurrection power of God. Therefore, no disease should be able to have hold upon me. No disease should be able to have dominion over me if I believe this. Amen. 
which he, God, wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly place. So Jesus has been, the Bible says, he's been enthroned at the right hand of God, representing you and I at the right hand of God. So when God sees Jesus at the right hand of God, he sees you enthroned there also. Has your mind been renewed to that fact or to that truth? Because facts can change, right? But the truth will never change. So this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to get to the point where these things are a reality to us. A walking, living reality when we are confronted with those things that we're confronted with on the earth. Because God is saying, I have given you an assignment through my son, through my church, through the church, to, to set in place all of those things that are out of order by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. I love it. Now, he's talking about you and I here in verse 29. He's seeing us in Christ. God doesn't have a problem with that. He sees you in Christ. Can you see yourself in Christ? That's the problem. That's the question. For whom he did foreknow, talking about you and I, he also did, did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God has supernaturally, by the power of the Holy, Holy Spirit, conformed us and made us, in his sight, look like Jesus. Again. The religious mind throws that off and says, that's impossible. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. And again, this is, a, this is the work of God. This is the work of Almighty God, who can do anything that he chooses to do with whomever he chooses to do it with or through. If, if, if we was writing, if, if, if Paul was writing about an angel, you'd say, oh, that, yeah, that's, that's possible. That's possible. Yeah, he, an angel, yeah. An angel can do that, yeah, because they're angels. How many of y'all know that we will judge angels one day? This is how God sees us. This is the position that he has elevated us up to in Christ. I'm going to read that again then. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus is the firstborn. Somewhere there's a secondborn and a thirdborn, and you're counted in that number. Amen. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Called to do what? Called to dominate. 
called to operate in dominion authority in the earth. And whom he called, them he also justified. Hallelujah. I've been justified. You've been justified. God himself has justified us. And whom he justified, <laughs> them he also glorified. We found out last week that Jesus prayed, Father, then the glory that you gave me, I'm giving them. Can we believe it? See, that's, that's, the, that's the question. Can we believe these things? Because the scripture says it. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What an awesome promise. Think about that. This is Almighty God. God has said, I freely give you all things, everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has given to us. Not going to give it to us. He's already spiritually given it to us. Because Ephesians chapter 1 says we've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. So we have access to these things. But do we apprehend them by faith? Or are we easily talked out of them because of what we see or what we feel or what's going on around us? Can we operate in the earth as Christ did? Because he said we could. He said, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works shall you do. Because I go unto the Father. Okay. So the next time the enemy attacks you, and he will, he'll come against you. He'll try to invade your covenant. But when he does, answer him with the word. Answer him with the dominion authority that God has given to you. And let him know that you know that he's been defeated. Pastor Andrews a couple of weeks ago was talking about how one day we're going to look and we're going to see the devil as he really is. I think it's the book of Isaiah. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and say, is this the man? Yeah. Is this, this is the one that I ran from all my life? This is the one that I let deceive me and tell me that I'm nothing when I have been made everything in Christ. 
and I listened to him. And I limited God because of it. Help us, Lord. Now, I believe that the highest level of Bible faith is when a born-again believer understands his authority, his God-given authority. I'm going to read that again because I wrote it down. The highest level of Bible faith is when a born-again believer understands his God-given authority. I'm going to back that up with Scripture. I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 7. Familiar Scriptures right here. We're going to spend a little time here in Luke chapter 7. I don't know about you, I, I love Bible study. I love it. Verse 1, chapter 7. Now when he had ended all his sayings, talking about Jesus, in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. So this Roman centurion who was an officer had a servant, the Bible says, and the Bible says he was sick and he was about ready to die. But verse 3 says, and when he heard of Jesus, He sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. So the centurion sought the elders of the Jews, that they would go and talk to Jesus for him. And heal his servant. Verse 4. And when they came to Jesus... They besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he had built us a synagogue. So the Jews said uh, to Jesus, this man is worthy so that the blessing of Abraham can come on him. Because he had built us a synagogue. He has invested in the kingdom of God. Remember that, uh, what God told Abraham? He said, I'll bless those who bless you. So this man is now positioned himself, and the Jews understood that, for a miracle from God. Verse 5 again. He loveth our nation, and with his own money, had built us a synagogue. And when Jesus, then Jesus, the Bible says, he went with them after they had explained to him that this man had been a help to the Jews. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was not now far from the house, the centurion sent friends unto him, saying, 
unto him, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you. But say in a word, there it is, say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. So this man says, Lord, I'm not worthy that, you, that uh, you come under my roof. I'm not worthy that I come to you. But if you just speak the word, my servant's going to be healed. Then he says here, this is what gets it. For I also am a man set under authority. He, he understands something. He recognizes something about Jesus. That Jesus is a man who is neatly set under the authority of God. Because he knows that the power that Jesus is using to do these miracles does not originate with him. It is because he has been set under this authority of this higher authority. He says, I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say to one, go, and he go, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So he understands how it works. He understands how a person can be set under authority and given a, a dominion authority over something. This revelation, the Bible says, marvel Jesus. He says, when Jesus heard these things, when he, under, when he heard that this man understood dominion authority, authority over a, under a higher power, Jesus marveled at him. It amazed him. And he turned about and said to the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. <laughs> he says, I've been walking with you guys all these years, these three years. And I've never seen anybody who understands biblical covenant authority like this centurion does. He says, I have not seen this kind of faith in operation in the whole nation of Israel. Now, understand who's talking here. This is Jesus talking. This is God Almighty talking in the flesh. He's been dealing with Israel for generations, okay? He, he's been dealing with, first with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he, he has Moses, he's dealt with all these guys. But he says, I've not seen this kind of faith throughout the whole nation of Israel. You know why? Because Israel didn't understand the power of dominion authority. 
They didn't understand that mankind had been given by God delegated authority in the earth. The power to speak to mountains. The power to speak to things. And those things should obey them. The power to speak to the earth. And the earth should obey them. He says, I I haven't seen this kind of faith in the whole nation of Israel. I've been trying to communicate this to them for centuries. And yet, they have yet to grasp it. But this centurion, a Gentile centurion, has understood it. And he understands that I have the power to do what I do because God Almighty has commissioned me in the earth as a man to overcome and subdue everything in the earth that is opposite the will of God. So when Jesus would see things out of order, he would place them back in order. Again, he was a Genesis 1 and 26 man. He believed it. That same authority that he operated in as a man, you and I have that same authority as children of God. We just have to catch up to it. We just have to catch up to what the Bible says. We have to renew our minds concerning that. John chapter 3, get ready to close because I'm running out of time. John chapter 3. Now, this is uh, John the Baptist talking here in verse 34. And John the Baptist, he... uh, Notice something about Jesus that was very important. He says here in verse 34, For he, Jesus, whom God has sent, speaketh the words of God. All Jesus spoke when he was on the earth were words that lined up with the covenant. Every word that came out of his mouth. It only lined up with the covenant. He spoke, he didn't speak anything outside of the word of God. He was the word of God. Then he says here, because of that, because Jesus only spoke the word of God, for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. Jesus was able to operate in divine power, because his words always line up with the will of God. And the will of God for him, as a God-sent man, was to exercise dominion authority in the earth. That's why the earth and everything that was under him obeyed him. Somebody need to get that tonight. Jesus would, would, would say things that would blow people's mind. He'd say things like, I'm from above. You're from beneath. And it was the truth, though. He knew who he was. He said, I'm from above. You're from beneath. The words that I speak, they produce life. The words that you speak produce death. 
because you don't have the revelation that I have. Somebody said, well, it was because he was the son of God. No, it was because he was the son of God, but it was also because he obeyed God and spoke only the word. When he was confronted with things that were contrary to the word, he didn't back up. He was not intimidated. He said, speak the word. Speak the word only. That's all he did. That's what God wants to train us to do. He wants to train you and I that the moment we're confronted with anything outside of the blessing, that we speak the word only. Verse 34 again. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. So the secret of Je- to Jesus exercising God's authority was he, that he only spoke the word of God. That is the connector. That is the connector to the uh, divine power, dominion, authority in the earth. If we can allow our mouth to get saved. Our spirit is saved. But our soul, that's, that's, the, that's the problem area. To the saving of the soul, you see. If, if, if we can let the Holy Spirit have his way in our soul and begin to speak only what the Word says, then the dominion power of God will be released consistently in our lives. I believe that. I believe that. Stand to your feet. Isaiah 8 says, I and the children whom God has given me are for signs and wonders. Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for all that you have done, for all that you have accomplished for us in Christ. Tonight, Lord, we pray that the mighty Holy Spirit would bring to our remembrance This message when we're confronted with those things that would come to challenge us in life. That would come to challenge your authority in this life, in this world. I pray, Father, that your children will begin to exercise the exceeding great power given to us through Jesus Christ. That we would begin to speak to the mountains in our lives. Not talk about the mountains, but begin to speak to the mountains. And command them to be cast into the sea. To overcome our Goliaths with divine power and authority. When we get a, a report of sickness and disease, Lord God, we will go to your word first. And begin to speak your word over that before any other thing comes out of our mouth. When we speak to our, when we think about our finances and things like that, we will begin, Father God, to speak the blessing of the Lord instead of the curse. Help us, Lord. Help us in this vital area that we might glorify you. That we might fulfill our, our assignment and our calling in the earth before Jesus comes back. And Father, we'll give you all the glory, all the praise, all of the honor for every manifestation of your spirit in our lives. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord.